There is nothing wrong with your internet. Do not attempt to adjust your settings. We are controlling the podcast. We control the squealing and the screams. We can make your heart flutter, your eyes blur from tears, or sharpen your mind to crystal clarity. For the next hour, sit back. We are in control of what you hear. We repeat, there is nothing wrong with your setting. You are about to experience the awe and mystery known as the female mind. You are now entering the Fangirl Zone. Welcome to Sci-Fi Talk on the Fangirl Zone, a podcast where we discuss shows on the Sci-Fi Channel. I'm Steve. And I'm Sean Fangirl S. And today we'll be discussing episode two of season one. I'm still got my fingers crossed on that. Surreal Estate. I mean, it's a little too early for them to tell us. Right. But I hope so, because I feel like this is definitely filling a void that I needed. Yes, <laughs> <We> absolutely. Have... <laughs> I mean, we're getting that huge arch so far. Yes. And Monster of the Week. So yep. it's working out. Yep. I think it's working out. I agree. We're getting creepy kids already. So there yeah, we go. <laughs> They're throwing that in early. And we didn't get a dog killed in this episode. <laughs> no, but when the thing happened in this episode, yeah. I think I was swearing. I'm like, you little. <laughs> exactly. I was not happy. No. But it definitely had some jump scares in it, too, this oh, time. Oh, yeah. Absolutely, it did. Yeah. So I'm digging it. Yep, me too. I do have some show news. Oh, do you now? Yes. The next episode, episode three, is entitled For Sale by Owner. And we will see Tim getting to work with a very familiar face. Not only to him, but to all the Erpers out there as Melanie Scorifano guest stars. And we'll also direct two episodes of this season. Awesome. I knew she was in it. I couldn't remember when. Yeah. <laughs> so excited. Yeah, I read a little article this week about how that episode went. And it's not Winona Earp, that's for sure. And Tim I wonder how many a... times off screen or like not necessarily off screen, but just kind of by accident when those two are on screen together, if one of them kind of slips into the other character, you know, right. <laughs> like I would love to see outtakes of Tim. As his real estate, just talking like Doc Holliday, though. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I missed the twang. All right, let's talk about episode two, though, shall we? All right, episode two, the Harvey. A little boy's imaginary friend interferes with his parents' plans to sell their home and move. Well, that's probably not good. No, I wouldn't think so. So we flash back to eight months ago to 8 Manderley Road, where we open at night on a two-story home where we see three lights on upstairs and each window is open. In the left window, we hear a couple, I don't know if it was arguing, it wasn't yelling or anything, but they were in a pretty intense discussion. In the middle window, a young girl is doing, I'm not a yoga expert, so I don't know if that was yoga or if she was just Doing interpre interpretive dancing or something. <laughs> I thought it was just exercising. Yeah, or it could have been. And in the last window, we don't see anyone, but we I hear. I thought I heard like a video game, though. Very well could have been. But we hear the daughter call out for her parents. Then we see each of the windows close and hear them lock. That was freaky. But yes. that first one slid closed. I'm like, okay, 
I have that problem. My, my windows sometimes just close, not because it's haunted, but because they're crappy windows. Right. <laughs> but then when all of them started doing it, and then you hear the latching, I was like, oh, yeah, that's not good. No. And they pan down to the front door, and we hear it lock. And then the lights go out, and there is the expected confusion, but then there are growls and some screams, and we see the teenage son get to the window on the first floor with some cuts on his face. And gets dragged away. Yeah, I was like, what the heck? Exactly. And then to top it all off, the camera pans to the yard to reveal a Roman agency for sale sign. Oh no, this can't be good. And then the house just explodes, catching the sign on fire. All right, all that happened and I'm like, holy crap, this is just like the cold open. Yeah. But then when we end up seeing the house or a house, I was thinking, wait, is this somehow the same house? Like the fire didn't really happen or something? Yeah, I kind of thought that too. And then I noticed that, oh, the address is different. See, I didn't catch that. Yeah, so we go the present day to the Quincy's home on 12 Marion Drive, which is also another two-story home at night with the lights on upstairs and a for sale sign by owner in the yard with reduced on it oh i'm sure tim is probably crying poor yeah. luke yeah he's luke. like no not reduce and the porch lights are turned off and we see a couple going upstairs to go to bed but the father hears his son's voice talking to someone and goes to check even though this child is no more than eight or so he still knocks on the door and then opens it more peeks in and asks his son who he's talking to and the son just replies "Ah, it's just rory the stuffed lion and they were talking about seeing somebody in their underwear or something it was (laughs) kind of weird oh i didn't catch what he was saying (laughs) and his father tells him to tell rory goodnight and leaves and we hear a little girl say she doesn't like him that can't be good Nope. And this is where I'm like, all right, things are going to get weird. Yep. He tells the girl it's his dad. And the girl replies, it's been so long since she's had someone to play with. Now he wants to take you away. And we see. Starts getting creepy. (laughs) Yes. The girl is sitting at the end of his bed in a red and white square dress with long blonde ponytail. Yeah. That whole gingham print and blonde braids. It's like, no, no, no. I'm not falling for it. And I swear her eyes looked weird. Yes. And the boy tells her they have to move as his mom has a new job. Yeah. And like I've said a million times, you can go back through basically a whole bunch of sci-fi podcasts. Yeah. (laughs) Anytime there's weird little kids involved, and that was a weird little kid, and I don't necessarily mean the boy. No. You know things are going to go awry. Yes. So we go to the Roman agency where Susan comes in and tells Zoe good morning and pours a cup of coffee. As Zoe tells her that if the coffee was better, that would qualify as a super fun site. <laughs> what kind of coffee are you using? <laughs> I don't know, but when she does take a drink, apparently it is really, really bad. Yes. <laughs> I mean, how do you really make a bad cup of coffee, coffee anymore? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Now the microwave goes off and Susan bumps into Zoe as she moved to get her food out of the microwave. And Zoe mentions it's amazing how the introduction of just one foreign body can disrupt one's feng shi and walks off. Yeah, she was being a little bitchy. <laughs> just a for little. For lack of a better term. Yeah, well, Zoe doesn't like her. Zoe doesn't seem to like anybody. Right. 
And I had to look up what that was, and it claims to use energy forces to harmonize individuals with their surrounding environment. Oh, yeah. Feng shui, that's a big deal. Yeah. Like, I don't do it. No. Maybe I should in my office. Maybe I'd be more... In tune uh, with everything is. Yeah, there we go. (laughs) (laughs) Because right now, my office is modern disaster. (laughs) That's what I call it. But I can find everything. So, you know, there's that. Yeah. No feng shui. Well, my feng shui is nobody else's. I'll put it that way. Let's ride. Let's go for a ride. (laughs) All right. So Luke tells Susan now that Rita is out of the way, he would like to give her a proper orientation. Not that he can teach her anything about real estate, but their way of doing things might be different than hers. Yeah, Yeah. I think that's going to go over great. Yes. And Susan informs him that her process has been honed by years of experience and results. And he tells her there will be things that come up that she hasn't experienced. Well, she's not scared, and she opens a file on the Quincy home. Luke tells her they had two buyers walk out of contracts after inspections, and one prospect ran out of the house during a showing. (laughs) That can't be good. Yeah, I mean, literally running out of the house. That's a little worrisome, but okay. Yeah. And they pass the Donovan home, and Luke slows down, and of course, Susan has to mention how pretty Megan is, and are they a thing, and just getting all personal in his business, and Luke tells her that he keeps his work and personal life in separate piles. Yeah, and her little snarky thing, well, maybe I should try that. And I'm thinking, yeah, maybe you You should. should. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I don't know. It was something about this one. This episode in the beginning, well, actually, no, through most of this episode, she was getting on my nerves. Yes. Because it's very much like, and I'm going to go back to The Walking Dead, which we've talked about before, too, when they kept telling Carl to get in the house and stay there, and he never would. Yeah. It's like, listen, go do this and just do it. And she's like, "Mm, no, I know better. It's like, ah. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, she got pretty hoity-toity on him in this episode. Yes. So they get to the Quincy home, and they go upstairs, and the wife Patty mentions that after years of living there with no issues, they put it up for sale, and everyone starts hearing things, and that inspector heard a child crying like her heart would break. So they also informed them that the lady that ran out of the showing told them that she saw an apparition and she must be crazy. (laughs) Yeah, I thought that was weird that the parents have never seen anything. Right. So as Luke walks down the hall, the husband Tom says they don't believe in ghost spirits or any of that crap and that his wife starts a new job in two weeks and paying double mortgages is killing them. I don't know how people can do that at all. Right. (laughs) Especially these days. (laughs) God, I barely, well, I pay rent. I can't even get, like, the one mortgage. Jeez. Before Luke can speak, Susan tells them yes and gives them her sales pit. Jumping right in, not letting Luke talk. Not a good thing. No, I I get it. She sells a lot. That's her thing. Yes. But she's not dealing with everyday issues. Right. And even when she was, like, kind of on board, I felt like, She wasn't. You know what I mean? Right. And we see that in this episode. Yeah. So Patty tells Susan that the master is down the hall and has a real nice sitting area and she goes to check it out. And their son Jamie comes out of his room telling his mom that he can't find his red jacket with his pet hamster in a ball. Kids normally walk around with their hamsters (laughs) like in the like hamster ball. It just seemed kind of weird. Yeah, it did. 
Patty tells him, put Josh the hamster up, and Luke says hi to him, but he doesn't respond, and basically runs back into his room and shuts the door. Yeah, that was like, wait, why is he staring at Luke and then freaking out? Right. (laughs) So Susan comes back down the hall, very impressed with the master bedroom. And, of course, with Josh running into his bedroom, Luke looks very concerned. So we cut to the backyard of the home, and Jamie is swinging on the swing set as the girl asks him, what did they want? None of your damn business. (laughs) Jamie tells her that they are here to sell the house as the girl comes down the slide. Tells him that she doesn't want him to go and that she's his family, and if he moves, she'll be all alone again. Yeah, and then it just lets amp up the creepy factor. Yeah, she tells him she will climb out the window and up on the roof where she'll jump and die. As she continues, her voice changes. This ain't no imaginary friend. No, and that's what her eyes got like black, all black yeah. then. Yes. It's like, okay, this is really not good. No. <laughs> so later that night, the group is reassembled at the Roman agency to discuss the Quincy home. Phil tells Susan she's back, shocked. (laughs) And Augie adds that their retention of new employees has not been the greatest. (laughs) So Luke wants Phil to do a history of the house in the dirt, and that even though the parents haven't had an encounter, he picked up something from the boy. Phil asks if it's a Harvey, and Luke tells him it might be more of a lassie and wants it entered into the standard PKT protocol, and then asks if there's anything else. And then we get Susan going all bossy on everybody, as she speaks up telling Phil that she wants the results placed in a Dropbox folder that she set up, so they will have a comprehensive database which doesn't sit real well with Phil. Now, okay, I understand this on both sides, to be honest. Right, absolutely. Because if you have all this stuff and you need the person who's going to try to sell it, you do need to coordinate this information. I mean, come on. Yeah. She needs to have access to it. Yeah. And then she wants to coordinate schedules with Augie as she has a plumber going to the house in the morning. (laughs) And Augie kind of works on his own schedule. So coordinating schedules is not his cup of tea either. Oh, my God. And to top it off, she wants Joey to set up a spreadsheet so they can keep track of the schedules, or she can send one of her templates that she just created. <laughs> and Zoe replies, oh, then you could print it out and shove it up her. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, oh, okay, come on now. Yeah, before she can get the A word out, Luke calls the meeting over. Group leaves, and Susan tells Luke there's a couple more things. Oh, this might be interesting. Right. But she wants to know what's a Harvey. Well, Luke tells her it's a shorthand for an imaginary friend. And he reminds her of the Jimmy Stewart movie, which she replies that she's aware of Rabbit, then asks what a lassie is. And Luke tells her that it's a helpful spirit that latches on to a living being, usually a child. That doesn't sound good to me, though. No. And then she asks, what's a PKC? Well, you got one of the letters wrong there. Susan, it's actually a PKT, a psychokinetic triage, which gives them a baseline into the property's engagement. He tells her it's a lot like learning to speak French badly and being made fun of by the locals. (laughs) Nice comparison once you get all the acronyms down. Yeah, whenever you can figure it all out. Right. And Susan replies that she thinks the locals already hate her and he tells her that nobody hates her. 
and that they all need her. And she leaves, and Luke pulls up the Donovan home. Obsessed much? Well, I mean, it did swallow his mom. Yeah. The next day, Susan is at the Quincy's home on the phone telling Zoe to have Augie call her. And she goes into Jamie's room saying that it's a disaster and straightens up the bed, telling the hamster that they both have their own will. (laughs) (laughs) Then she hears a noise and some creaking and some crying from the closet, which she opens. But the mess scares her as much as anything else would. And she turns around, and the little girl is sitting on the bed saying, Help me! Yeah. I don't think so. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure this is fine. And the girl tells her that she can't go without Betsy. And when Susan asks where she is, the girl says, Up there. And again, What is up there? Yeah. (laughs) She hears creaking again, and the girl disappears, and her phone rings as she just about drops it from jumping. And it's Augie who tells her that if it meets her plumbing schedule, he will be there shortly. Susan tells him that she saw the little girl. And Augie tells her that ones who work at Yellowstone Park should not be surprised to see a bear. (laughs) He just speaks in like, I don't even know what those are called. Analogies? Yeah, exactly. It's like, okay, can you just freaking tell me something? (laughs) And he tells her that she needs to tell Luke as he is on his way. So Susan Well, at call- least he did get something out there without a weird analogy. Yes. Susan calls Luke, telling him that she saw the little girl in the boys' room. Luke tells her to download Phil's stuff, and they need to know exactly what they're dealing with, and he will be there shortly after running an errand. And guess what that errand is? Going by the Donovan home. And okay. Luke, again, Luke stops at the Donovan home and takes a couple pics of the house. Then takes a couple more with him in the shot. <laughs> yeah, I was like, what? Yeah. What are you doing? Well, we weren't the only ones who thought that. Uh, no, because Megan approaches him mentioning selfies. <laughs> what? And Luke explains that it wasn't selfies. It was to make sure the home doesn't change, as he's had some that have changed on him when he turned his back. Colors changed. <laughs> and he tells her one house, the chimney extended six feet further on him when his back was turned. That I loved. He goes, kind of like it was giving me the middle finger. (laughs) (laughs) That had me cracking up. Yeah. Or the house was extremely turned on by his looks. One Uh, or the other. (laughs) He is a good looking man, though. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) He tells her they are on the job, that Phil is digging into the paperwork, and Augie is doing what Augie does. Now Brock comes out of the house in his boxer. Okay, now I don't know if I was looking down or what, <laughs> because when I hear Megan say, go put your pants on, because uh, yeah. <laughs> children walk past the house on the way to school, I'm like, wait, what? What yeah. the hell did I miss? <laughs> but then we pull back. I don't, first of all, I really don't know how she let him back in the house after him not answering her exactly. all that one night. Exactly. <laughs> But yeah, when we pull back and we see him standing on the porch in his boxers, he's doing that like, I'm watching you thing. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh my God. How anybody would hire this man as a lawyer is beyond me. <laughs> and she tells him she will not miss this place. And Luke agrees. But when she gets far enough away, he says, not the place. No, he hasn't gotten to talk to his mom yet, apparently. Mm. So we go yeah, back to the Quincy home, and Susan goes back upstairs and hears noise in the attic and decides to check it out. Now, when she kept hearing the noises earlier and then possibly here, 
did it sound almost like growling or like something rolling? Because I was thinking it sounded like growling. Right. In which yes. case I would not have been going upstairs. Exactly. <laughs> something rolling. I can see like, oh, crap, something got up there. Let me go see what it is. Right. Yeah. There's but l- which did you think it was? There was a lot of creaking and growling. Okay. And once up there. I just to make sure somebody else heard it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A lot of it was first started out as creaking and then it turned into low growling. Okay. Now, once up there, we see something go past, but Susan doesn't notice it. So we go back to the office where Phil informs Luke that he hasn't found anything that would tether the little girl to the house. It's probably not good. And Phil asks if Susan freaked, and Luke tells him, actually, she didn't. Which is why you should all be worried. What has she seen? Yes. So we go back to the... Quincy home and back in the attic as Susan is looking around and gets scared by a coat on a partial mannequin. Oh, that scared me too. I'll tell you. Yes. <laughs> and I don't remember seeing it before she saw it. So then turns to see a black bird, which causes her to jump, knocking over a coat stand, which falls, breaking the window. Now you would think if there was a bird caught up in the attic, if a window broke, it would be the first thing the bird would head to. Right, that's what I would think. Right. No, it flies right into Susan's face, knocking her over, and when she looks up, there's Augie. Oh, God. Well, that scared me, too, yeah. because I was like, oh, is she going to see, like, something super creepy? And it's right. like, Augie, yeah. but I was like, Jesus, okay, I wasn't expecting that. No. And Susan asks if he saw it, and Augie nods no, and she tells him that it was a big black bird that attacked thinking it might have been a crow. Well, Augie tells her it was a raven. Are you certain? Nevermore. (laughs) Come on, Augie. (laughs) Thanks. Thanks, Augie. Just use your word. So we go back to the office where Zoe is attending to the cuts on Susan's hand and head as she's describing the little girl and Phil is creating a picture of her. And Zoe asks if the little girl did this to her and Susan tells her, no, it was this bird, which was... As huge as a condor. (laughs) Or a Jonas brother. Yeah. (laughs) I'm like, what? Are they really that tiny? Yeah. After Phil adds the dress and Zoe is looking at the girl, she asks Susan if she was near a Wendy's. (laughs) I was like, wow. Seriously? I know the snark, but come on. Yes. (laughs) So Luke comes in and asks Susan what she was doing in the attic. Susan tells him that the little girl told her that she had left her doll up there. Which, from what Susan knows about this right now, you figure, okay, this little girl has unfinished business, and her unfinished business is she doesn't have her doll. So I'll go up, get the doll, finish the business, and she'll be gone. It's not not that simple. No. (laughs) It's never that simple. Luke asks the group for a second, and they leave. And Susan tells Luke that she has a couple of people that want to see the house. And it could be problematic, but the buyers are motivated. Luke tells her not yet. She argues that these people are jacked to transact. (laughs) Where did you come up with that one? But Luke has something to show her. And he plays the news report of the home from the opening on fire where the family all died. And he tells her that they were a nice family and only had minor issues with some rattling and an occasional piece of furniture moving. Nothing dangerous, or so they thought. And he straight up tells her that these things can hurt you and are dangerous. And until she learns a little more about them, she might think about doing things their way. 
<laughs> like that going to happen? Well, I'm sorry, but you've literally seen weird stuff. You've seen it for yourself there and heard it. So why are you watching and hearing what he's saying and then still like, uh, it's fine. Right. No yes. Like, <laughs> I don't like her chances at this point. No. I will tell you. <laughs> if this was a normal horror movie, she would be dead. Yeah, she would be the first one to go. <laughs> so we go back to the Quincy home as Patty arrives home for, with groceries and drops them when she sees Jamie on the roof. Tell oh my God, that freaked <laughs> me out. Yes. Telling Cindy not to jump. And then Tom comes out, telling him to hang on to what? He's on the roof. <laughs> Where was he? He comes out because what? He sees his wife outside and she dropped the groceries. And Probably. He just out like, what's going on? <laughs> yeah. Hello, our kid's on the roof. You didn't bother to look. Where have you been? Yeah. Jamie tells them he can't. She's going to jump. And of course, neither parent sees the her he's talking about. Right. And Cindy tells him bye, but instead of falling off the roof, she floats off it. <laughs> so Yeah, that, I was really hoping the kid wasn't going to try to, like, run at her or couldn't right, grab her yeah, or something. Yeah, fortunately, he was smart enough not to do that. So later, Tom is telling Luke that Jamie kept telling them she was going to jump, but he won't tell them who she is as we see Jamie swinging in the background. And we know she likes to hang out on the swing set. So Luke tells him that Susan has one of their contractors coming out to fix the window. And Tom tells him to have it bolted shut. I but think seriously, it's not like it was just like a staircase. Right. It was I in mean, the attic. <laughs> yeah, they had to pull. He, the kid had to pull that down. Right. And like pull the ladder down. How did you not hear anything? Exactly. <laughs> So Luke mentions that maybe they should get a hotel until they can figure this out, but Tom isn't having any of it, telling Tom that he needs to do his damn job. So Luke joins Jamie on the swing set and asks if he wants to tell him about the little girl. And of course he mentions Mary's her name. And Jamie corrects him that the girl's name is Cindy. And Luke tells him that Susan saw her also. Jamie tells Luke that he's not supposed to talk about her and... If he does, they can't be friends anymore. That might not be a bad thing. Yeah. Luke asks what happens if they aren't friends anymore, and Jamie tells him that she'll hurt somebody. And Cindy okay. says she's the only family he needs. And that's not good. No. So Luke tells him it sounds like he wished Cindy would just leave him alone, and he wants to promise him that he won't do anything Cindy tells him to do that's dangerous. Well, let's hope Jamie can keep his word about doing that. So Luke figures that Jamie doesn't have many friends and tells him that when he was young, he didn't have many friends either, but assures him that when he's older, he will have friends that he can count on. <laughs> they go inside for cookies. The third swing starts to swing back and forth, letting us know she was there for the whole conversation between Luke and Jamie. Yeah, because creepy. Very. So in the attic, Luke tells Anthony to bolt the window up as he needs to go and to send them the bill. And he replies, family discount. Yeah. When he said that, I was like, say what? what? <laughs> Trying to figure it out. Yeah. This might be interesting when we figure that out. Yeah. So Luke reminds Susan that there will be no showings until they get this figured out. Puts his foot down. And she agrees, even though it takes her a second to say, aye, aye, <laughs> Captain. Right. And Anthony starts to whistle. Susan recognizes the song. 
And we find out they're both fans of musical theater. Susan gets a call from a buyer and she initially tells him that she can't show the house. Yeah, and here I am thinking, okay, good. She's listening and understanding things. Right, but the buyer mentions cash. And she just can't hold back from the power of the green stuff, so she sets an appointment for 8 a.m. Now, later on, we see Tom mowing the yard and Patty is clipping the hedges. As we hear Jamie tell Cindy that he's sorry and please no, as we see her in the window. Now, Cindy knows he talked to the man about her, and Jamie tells her he didn't tell him anything. And Cindy giggles, not a normal giggle. No, (laughs) no. Tells him that he should punish him, but she loves him and would never hurt him. But she has to hurt somebody, otherwise he won't learn. And I'm like, and creepy kid got creepier. Yes, tenfold. Yes, and you just knew things were going to go bad. Yes. (laughs) So Jamie goes to the window, sees his mom turn to face the yard with the clippers still going open and closed. And his father turns towards... His wife with the mower, and you go, oh no, this is not going to end well. I was like, what is happening? (laughs) Yeah. Jamie begs Cindy, no, stop, not my parents. And Cindy giggles as Tom stops just short and turns and Patty goes back to the hedges. I mean, they were right there where the clippers were about at the handrail of the mower, and the mower was probably right on top of her toes. I thought it... Like, when he turns back to look at his parents, it's like nothing had ever happened. Like, they were back in their regular spots, too. Well, no, the father had turned right, because he was actually in front of the sign when when he turned. He was kind of, I get, I'm assuming he was mowing in circles, mowing the yard in a circular fashion. I must have missed, I must have been looking down again, like, to do a tweet, and I'm like, what? Wait a second. But it doesn't end here, does it? No, it doesn't, because Jamie turns and sees Cindy with his hamster, which she just squeezes the life out of it with her hand, telling him that he learned something today. Yeah, that you're crazy. Yes, and he runs to the hamster, and we see her lick the blood off her hand and get a glance at those fangs she has. Oh my gosh, those are like... Oh, my God. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. The next morning, Susan takes the prospect upstairs, telling them when she saw the master, she made a noise that she's not been able to duplicate since. (laughs) Orgasm much? (laughs) Apparently, there was a major girl squee that came. Apparently. (laughs) But before the couple make it to the master, they hear a girl crying and then a scream. And... (laughs) The man wants to know, what is that? And Susan tells him it's noisy pipes. But we cut outside and the car is backing up as fast as it can and speeding down the road. Now, did she not hear the little girl or is she trying to not hear the little girl? She was trying not to hear the little girl. Oh, (laughs) okay. And of course, as they're speeding off, Luke pulls up and tells her he needs a word. So Susan gets in the car and she argues that the Quincy's need to sell their house as the pressure is on. And Luke reminds her that he told her no showing. And Susan says, it's just a little girl. And he tells her it's a mask, a disguise for something that can kill. Susan tells him that she needs to be able to sell houses her way. And Luke replies she's the best agent he's ever seen. But on issues like this, 
she needs to check in with him on everything and that she needs to trust him or go to work somewhere else. That, I think, is what finally hit her. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, crap. You're kicking me out? Hold on. Because, I mean, I get it. She thinks it's just a girl, but she's just starting to learn everything. Right. So, like, maybe listen to the people who've been dealing with this for a while. Right. And she makes a, a valid point later on, back to Luke, about getting information. Yeah, that's true. So Luke goes up into Jamie's room and closes the door, telling Cindy no games. And, of course, one of Jamie's games spins. Yeah, I'm like, well, that's apropos. (laughs) Yeah. Luke looks in the closet, sees nothing, and turns to see Cindy sitting on the bed telling him that he's different than the others. It's like, damn it, you know I'm here. Okay. Yeah. Luke tells her that she's exactly what he expected, and she goes into the poor pity me routine. Oh my god, that was just so bad, too. They went to the light, and it's like, yes. no. <laughs> and he calls her on her BS, and she bears her fangs at him and growls. <laughs> Luke tells her that the game is on. As Susan comes in and is told to get out, he's working. <laughs> Which she does, but when he turns back, Cindy's gone. Like you were ready to take her on right then? I don't think so. You would have lost badly. Right? That would have been, especially how we see everything end. That would have been really bad. Yeah. Yes. So Susan visits her mom in this huge house. I wasn't sure if that was supposed to be her mom's house or her house. Yeah. (laughs) I kind of wondered that myself. Getting out her frustration over her new job, telling her that her coworkers hate her, her new boss is strange, and that she isn't able to do her job the best way. Which her mom replies, you mean your way. <laughs> mom knows her kid, that's for sure. Right. She's like, well, it has worked out everywhere. Well, has it though? Yeah. <laughs> You're unemployed, right? I mean, you changed jobs already, probably multiple times. And her mother gives her some sage advice, telling her to be the lovely person she really is and it'll all work out. So we go back to the office later that evening and Luke pays Augie a visit to discuss the situation. And Augie's been monitoring the Quincy home, and even though nothing is going on right now, he shows Luke an occurrence from earlier in the day, which was when Luke had his first encounter with the girl. And Augie tells him that it was a light engagement until this point where Cindy buried her fame. Augie tells him that that was a huge power drain when it changed. And ask if it's a doughboy. And Luke but tells him. never explain what that no. is either. It's like, damn it. Give yeah. me more. And Luke tells him it's nastier than that. Maybe an LRG. Again. What? Yeah. <laughs> At least we do get the definition of an LRG later. <laughs> so Luke asks how long it would take to whip up a containment device. And Augie replies, not too long. But it would only work in its true form during one of those spikes. Augie tells Luke he has to be careful because if it is what he thinks it is, it's very old, it's cunning, and it also has an ego and is easily distracted. Use that, but remember, it only exists to inflict pain and sorrow, and it sees him coming. A little foreboding there, uh, Augie. Yeah, I was going to say that that didn't sound good at all. No. Normal words, but (laughs) not good ones. But scary. Yes. (laughs) So the next morning, Susan arrives with coffee for everyone, making sure that she got what everyone liked. And the coffee she got, Zoe took at least 10 words. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, when she was like rattling that off, I'm like, how the hell did anybody it, remember that? Exactly. <laughs> and she tells Zoe that they need a way to coordinate their subcontractor visits, but she doesn't care how she does it. She will use it and make sure that everyone else will use it, too. And Zoe replies that she's got some ideas and thanks her for her coffee. And Susan gives Phil his coffee and he thanks her and shows her some pictures of the deep dive into the Quincy house. Then tells her he'll get them to her. And Susan tells him that they're his files, his rules, and she'll take them whenever. Wow, a change of attitude here. That's very reverse psychology there. Yes, absolutely. And she notices Anthony and asks if Phil knows him, and Phil replies, yeah, they've met. (laughs) Anthony sees Susan and says, hey, and breaks into a song. That was cute. Yeah. I'm like, oh, he's supposed to do it kind of like off the top of his head. Right. And Phil gives him a look. (laughs) He tells him that it nearly rhymed and then gives him a kiss. (laughs) Okay, now we know. Susan tells Phil that she just loves him. (laughs) Phil replies, yeah, I married him. Now, if we could only get him over his painful shyness. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Nice little jab there, Phil. Luke comes in asking Susan if she has a minute and looks at Phil and he leaves. He tells her he needs her to come with him to the Quincy house and apologizes for yesterday, but they are dealing with things that she just doesn't understand and that he doesn't understand them, but he knows them. Susan suggests he shares what he knows and be open and honest instead of having her check with him every time she needs to wipe her. And Luke tells her, point taken. (laughs) Come on and... In the spirit of candor and transparency, I should let you know that Quincy's fired them last night. Well, why are we going back there? A little boy is in danger. Yeah, it's like, okay, but why didn't we tell the parents that? So maybe that they they would let us do what we needed to do. Right. Susan questions if it's the little girl and Luke tells her that it's an LRG as he grabs a bag from his office. Well, of course, Susan wants to know what that stands for. And Luke tells her, Little Red's Granny. It's a particularly nasty demon that assumes a friendly, non-threatening form in order to seduce its victim. It consumes them, eats their life. Wait, what? Yeah. And you were trying to sell that, see? Yep. (laughs) So Susan asks, what can they do? And he tells her that Augie built a device that can destroy it at the atomic level, but he needs to trigger it when the LRG is stressed, angry, distracted and assumes it's true form and he'll have maybe a second don't like those odds luke susan wants to know what she's supposed to do and he tells her she has the tough job talking to the parent (laughs) well that's true because they fired you so they get to the quincy's home and tom tells them absolutely not what part of your fire do you not understand Luke can't waste any more time and heads upstairs as Tom starts to call the cop. Susan tells them to let her explain and Patty wants to know what he's doing up there. Susan demands that they listen, which finally gets Tom off the phone and Patty looking at her. Right. It's like, pay attention. Yeah. And tells them that she knows that they think her boss is a flake and she agrees. He is a flake and nothing he says on the surface is credible. We agree. We're on common ground. She knows that they don't believe in these kind of things, and she doesn't either. We're wearing the same jersey, but they need to understand Luke gets results, and not just that he sells houses. He does it by fixing the stuff that's wrong, and in their case, 
It's by getting rid of the thing that lured their little boy up on the roof. And that Luke is a good guy, just give him a chance. That last line about basically it luring their kid up on the roof, I think is really what brought it home for them. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Up in Jamie's room where Luke is setting up a chessboard, and he nods at Jamie, who nods back. So apparently they've discussed the plan. Luke takes out the device, sets it on the dresser, and turns it on. He has Jamie step back to the wall and kind of closes up the curtains and tells Cindy that he's back as he sits in a chair next to the bed. Oh, this was fun. Yeah. He tells her he brought a real game. Want to play? And the bedroom door closes on its own. Cindy appears on the bed saying that this is so strange and asks what the horsey does. <laughs> oh, I love this then when he's like, knock it off. I don't right. believe your crap. <laughs> Drop the little girl routine. Yeah. They know it's, like, it's a lie. Oh, but it was at the same time, like watching him do this. Yeah. I was like, damn, I hope that little girl has been acting for a while and she really understands this is <laughs> acting because it was so mean. Yeah. He definitely went for the anger and distress and all that. Going for the jugular. I mean, that was like full out. It's like, oh, you're too stupid to play something. You're not capable to play with adults. You don't know what you're doing. I thought you were a big bad and you're nothing. And I was like, oh, crap. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm just like, where's the kid? Why didn't you send the kid downstairs? Right. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I just like, as he's doing this, I was like, that device, God, I hope it works. That's yes. all I kept thinking. <laughs> yeah, at one point he calls her, what was it, Casper's pathetic sister or something? <laughs> Cousin or something. Yeah, it, it was just like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, seriously, it was just like, oh, oh no, oh no, oh no. <laughs> I was just waiting for something really yeah, bad to knew, have it. Yeah, you knew it was coming, especially when she leans in and says... <laughs> he'd be surprised what she's capable of in that deep voice and luke just looks at her and says go ahead it's your move so she grabs the rook and moves it all the way across the board and that's when luke just really goes after her saying she's wrong she's stupid the rook can only move this way and she's an insult to nine-year-old girls everywhere. And you see her eyes go black and you go, oh, we're uh, getting close. Like, oh, you're in trouble. Yeah. You're in trouble. And of course, we get the comment you mentioned that he thought she was a badass demon that was out to kick ass and eat lies, but hardly worked up a sweat. Had he actually known he was up against Casper's not very bright niece, whose only superpower was emotional instability in Candyland. Oh, oh, damn. And yeah, then you start seeing like everything around Cindy's eyes start changing. I was like, oh no. Oh God, what's going to (laughs) happen? And Start eating that popcorn faster. You're like, something horrible is going to happen. Yeah, and it does. (laughs) Because it changes into its true form, knocking the chess pieces everywhere. And as Luke stands up, the demon grabs him and throws him into the wall. And as Luke falls to the floor, the remote for the device falls out of his pocket. I'm like, he's so screwed. I know. <laughs> and the LRG turns to Jamie and starts moving towards him. Luke grabs the remote and starts the device, which turns it into dust and sucks it inside. That was just a little too close for my comfort. Uh, thank you. <laughs> I was getting really worried here. Yeah. We were going to lose Luke and the boy all at the same time. And Jamie walks up to Luke and sticks out his fist, and Luke gives him a fist bump. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah. 
still thought you were going to die, but I mean, I guess there's something. Yep. So we go to the office the next day. Susan is on the phone telling a prospect that the time they wanted is booked, but she can sneak them in at three as she waves Luke in as she tells them that she is expecting two competing offers. So tell your buyer to bring her checkbook and practice her kickboxing as they may have to settle this in the octagon. Let's get serious here. And it wouldn't surprise me in today's market that there's people doing that right now. (laughs) I was just going to say that. We were talking about that kind of off air about how crazy the market is right now. And then they just happen to bring this up. I'm like, well, you know what? They're putting real life in it. Yes. So Luke asks if it's the Quincy place and Susan replies, it's what I do. (laughs) He tells her that she really saved them and that she pulled it out of the fire. Quincy's are still clients. Jamie is safe and he's not in jail and that's all because of her. And she thanks him telling him that he played a minor integral role himself. (laughs) And he tells her uh, he just happens to help the ball club and mentions her calling him a flake but then tells her that she's there to make their clients believe in them. Yeah, I wasn't sure once he mentioned Flake if it was going to get ugly or not. (laughs) Yeah, because wasn't it like Colossal Flake or something like that? (laughs) And I think she even had like that oh crap look on her face. Like, Yes. Oh, yeah. You heard that, did you? Oh, yeah, I didn't think you heard that. thought you were a little busy. He asks if she has plans for the night, and Susan tells him dinner with her mom. And ask about him, and he tells her nothing special. She asks if he wants to come, and that her mom would love to meet him. And they are going to make cookies that look like stacks of closing documents. Really? Really? <laughs> I know some of their cookies is like, okay. Yeah, what was the other one? They were little mortgage lenders, I think. Yes. <laughs> Luke tells her thanks, but for her to keep her family time, it's important. And he didn't realize how important until his dad dies, and now he knows. So we get a shot of the Quincy house with a sold sign in the yard, a shot of Susan and her mom having a good time, a shot of Phil and Anthony sharing a couch while reading books, and a shot of Augie and Zoe playing a video game in the office after hours. And I had to look. I had to make sure that that was the office because I was going, are you telling me that maybe Zoe is related to Augie? (laughs) That would be something else. Well, I mean... Why not? Why not? Exactly. (laughs) And Luke at Funland on the putt-putt course, timing out a putt to get through the clown's mouth, and as he lines up his next putt, a ball rolls up and hits him in the foot. I was like, okay, is this going to be Susan? Right. Uh, That's my first thought. And as Luke looks up, he hears, I believe the subject was angels. I never trusted them. And it's a man's voice. Mm -hmm. Say what? Luke tells him that he doesn't trust anybody and misses his putt, causing his dad to laugh, who then sinks his putt and tells him that's a two. And what were we talking about? Luke tells him angels. And his dad tells him that he could never trust a team that had a guy in their Hall of Fame by the name of Vladimir. (laughs) And when he goes on to explain, yeah, yeah, you guys didn't live through the Cold War and you don't understand what it's like to have the threat of nuclear annihilation every day. And it's like, okay, I get it. But Vladimir Guerrero was from the Dominican Republic, not Russia. Yeah. <laughs> and I love his dad. Like, that sounds like something a Russian spy would say. It's like tinfoil hat theories all around. Oh, yeah. His dad is something <laughs> else. As they hit their next shots, dad mentions the girl that he had out here the other day was pretty. 
And Luke realizes that he means Susan at the batting cages. And his dad tells him that he was a sucker for redheads. Always was. And Luke informs him that Susan is a co-worker and a colleague and a real estate ninja warrior. And dad asks, are they simpatico? Luke tells him no, and they don't say that anymore. I thought that was funny. It's like, yeah. We don't use that word. And dad tells him it's a new world, and he's glad he didn't live to see it. I was starting to wonder if he really was dead. Right. And Luke asks him if he's going to putt or what, and his dad tells him that he's a good boy, better than him in every way, and that's the way it should be. But he always did poorly with women. Luke says, well, you weren't too swift yourself. Does he have to remind you about his own track record with women and why the second Sunday in May will always tear his guts out, except when the Padres win, and sometimes even then. As Luke gets ready to putt, he looks up and his dad is gone, and he Tells his father goodnight as he picks up the ball and turns out the lights. So that kind of had me scratching my head. Yeah. <laughs> Does he actually own that place then? Because why else would he be there really late? Nobody else is around. He's turning off the lights. Right. Either that or he's got a really sweet deal with the owner that he can come play anytime he wants as long as he turns the lights out. I don't know, but I thought that was kind of sad, too. You know, like they're talking and then his dad right. just it disappears. Gets, yeah, well, it kind of got... It gets serious, serious and then... Yeah. Yeah, and then his dad's just gone. It's like, oh. Yeah, it sounds like he hasn't resolved the issue of his mom leaving with his dad yet. I'm assuming that was the second Sunday in May. Yes, absolutely. But, I mean... Who knows what else happened? Yeah, <laughs> could be a lot if of things. If for some reason it was always the second Sunday in May where something happened, that would be really awkward. Yes, it would. <laughs> well, we do have some feedback this week. Once again, our friend Jazz has sent us some feedback, so let's take a listen. Hello, this is Jazz with a review of episode two of Surreal Estate. I was very surprised that Susan walked in with quite the attitude and the ego and do it my way or the highway viewpoint considering she's new to the team and refused the orientation which was a big mistake so I had little sympathy for her when the ghosts or the apparitions scared the crap out of her and I doubt the team did either. I liked August's quote where he said that if you're in the forest one should not be surprised to see a bear which I thought made a good point. The team doesn't want to probably get too close to her since most of the people who are new leave, so no point in getting to know you if you're just going to leave after the first scare, but they didn't exactly give her a welcome mat either. I wondered why she actually went near the scary noise, because hasn't she ever seen a sci-fi or horror movie? Jeez. And that ghost kid is screwed up in the head, and is mean and abusive and probably a psychopath, since they enjoyed killing the hamster and then wanted to make him lunch. Yuck. I did like the fact that Susan's mom said that she wanted to push her ex-boss into a wood chipper. Said she uh, hurt her daughter for breaking up with her. So I thought that was novel. You know, just said with the perfect straight line, like moms do. I love that. Thought that was awesome. I did like the fact that she did get a better attitude over time and actually decided to get to know the people a little better, knew everybody's order, especially the more complicated ones. I love the fact the handy fix-it man for the team was close to the team, considering he was the husband of the priest, or the father, as they say. Let's see, I think that the reason Luke can actually be found at the batting cages 
or the putt-putt is because I think he bought the business. Because that would explain him being able to turn off the lights once he stopped having a chat with his dad. Which is why he said family time is important. So I thought that was very sweet. And lots of people go putt-putting with their folks. So that does lead to some happy memories. So I enjoyed the episode. I'm enjoying the series. It's not too scary. But it still has humor, and so I think it does have quite a few jump scares, which is good, keeps you guessing. And looking forward to the next episode, which I believe has Melanie Scrifano in it. So looking forward to that. I believe she directs two of the episodes in the future. Thanks. Well, thank you, Jazz, for your great feedback. Fortunately, Sean can't be with us to discuss your feedback as she's recovering from her surgery. And maybe out for a week or two. We wish her the best and a speedy recovery. I do agree with you that Susan's attitude of just coming in and you do this and you do this and you do this was a bit much for basically her first week of work in a, <laughs> a new job. I mean, yeah, she has the real estate experience, but she still has no idea how these people work together. So, of course, it was fitting that she got the crap scared out of her. Especially when she refused to take Luke's orientation. And yeah, I don't think she got any sympathy from the rest of the group either. And yeah, we did mention Augie's uh, bear line. That was a good one. And I think we'll be getting more nice ones from Augie in the future. And yeah, this is one of our pet peeves is why do you go to a scary noise? Haven't you ever seen any horror film of any type? And yeah, the kid definitely was a psychopathic little granny's red, as uh, (laughs) they called them, wanting to eat that poor hamster. And yeah, the wood chipper line was definitely great coming from Susan's mom. And that's definitely what moms would say without batting an eye. And yes, it was interesting to see Anthony and Susan hit it off so well only to find out that Anthony's married to Father Phil. (laughs) And yeah, we kind of discussed whether or not Luke owns Funland or not, and right now we really don't know, but it really wouldn't surprise me if he owned it, because who lets somebody turn the lights off? (laughs) Lock up the place when you're done. Not too many these days. And yeah, we couldn't agree more that the comedy is great in this series so far and of course the jump scares definitely keep you on your toes and yes we are so looking forward to having melanie scorpano in the next episode oh cannot wait and actually she's directing the two episodes after the one she appears in so we'll get three weeks of Melanie doing something on Surreal Estate, so that is just awesome. As always, Jazz, we really appreciate your feedback and looking forward to hearing what you think about Melanie's episode. Well, you know how we feel about this episode and and creepy kids. So how do you feel about this episode and creepy kids? Shoot us an email at sci-fi talk, that's S-Y-F-Y talk at fangirlzone.com. Let us know. We'd love to hear from you. And while you're at it, if you can rate and review us on iTunes and every other platform you find us on, because good ratings and reviews help other fans of the show find us. Tell your friends about the show. Just starting. Get them in. If they like Supernatural or 
Oh, what was super? Wait, superstition? Yeah, superstition would qualify for that. Ghost Wars, basically any of those kind of shows, they probably are going to get into this. So, and heck, if they just like real estate, you know, you never know. Break them in for that part. (laughs) Yeah, there's some great laughs in these first two episodes so far. So, yeah, you get some laughing entertainment along with jumping out of your shoes entertainment. Yes. So. Bring them along for the ride. And if you can rate and review us, like I said, that would really help us because good ratings help other fans of the show find us. Tell your friends about the show, like I said, because I think these ratings are going to just start going up. But I am optimistic. I like the show. Don't forget to check out www.fangirlzone.com. Our contacts page is there, too. You can find all the ways to get a hold of us. It's so much easier that way. And for this episode of Sci-Fi Talk, I am Sean Fangirlass. And I'm Steve. Our track record with new employee retention has been um, lackluster. And until next time.